Can't wait for summer? Old Navy's huge summer sale starts now. All jeans, all tees, all dresses, and all shorts are on sale up to 50% off. Jeans start at $15 for adults, $10 for kids. Shorts from $12 for adults, $7 for kids. Buy online and pick up in-store for free today. All jeans, tees, dresses, and shorts are on sale up to 50% off. Now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 5-6 to 5-12. Excludes in-store clearance, active, licensed, men's packaged, and flag tees. talk about um, fandom tropes and writing them specifically because um, the thing is is when something happens in fandom like whether it be the Alpha Omega or the BDSM AU or Sentinels which is a huge huge fandom trope um, across most fandoms I can't imagine any fandom where you couldn't mix the Sentinel in just like the little black dress. And um, what happens is is that an idea becomes so fascinating that a whole bunch of writers jump on it, and then you have to figure out how to make it unique to yourself. And that's a problem or an issue or a challenge I've had over the past week because I read a whole bunch of Hobbit Cabbage Patch Baby fix, and I got really enthralled um, with the problem. Um, or with the with the trope, and I developed a problem of wanting to make sure that I uh, make it unique to myself, and to make it unique in a way that is um, just me. So. I've developed this whole mythology around Hobbits came to be because there is no canon origin story for Hobbits and um and and why they grow their babies in the ground and um then you know I, I it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous when you get bit by a a little a little plot bunny that turns into a bunny plague. And and that's what's happened to me. And so we're going to talk about tropes and and how they work and and how you can move them around and um I'm going to turn Lady Holder on because uh <laughs> I'm going to put her on the air. <laughs> I can't account for whether or not she'll be aroused. In more ways than one, dear. In more ways than one. <laughs> I got myself some tickles. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, 
So I yeah. I am writing about baby dwarfs. Um, that's hobbit, half yeah. hobbit, half half um, elf, um dwarf, and um, like there's just this um, the very organic experience um actually, which is kind of funny considering what it is. Um, it's 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 kind of moved, and I've um I've added some spiritual and and fairy elements, and um uh and despite the angst that's going to come a little bit of humor mm-hmm. because um in the prologue you get to see where she is and you it's also get serious. to see where he is huh it's very serious the the prologue yes there's 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 no real joy in that because for all the fact um she is putting her children in the ground and it's supposed to be as she says a joyous occasion it's not for her, there's no. there's a great deal of of bittersweet to that, right? And then when you, th- the flip side is is that Nori goes back to the Lonely Mountain and he tells his king um, how he tracked um, Bella, uh, Bell, if I remember, basically Bella, 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 basically mm-hmm. all over Middle Earth, and that for some reason unknown to them, <clears throat> Gandalf the Grey. Took the queen of the uh, under the mountain, Erebor. to Mordor. So, yeah, mm-hmm. to Mordor, and um, they don't know why they him um, he took her to Mordor. But Thorin's really unhappy that his queen ended up in Mordor of all places. Um, and mm-hmm. so, by the time Nori gets back to Erebor, it's been eighteen months since um, Thorin has seen his wife, and he is. He's heartbroken and he's filled with all this regret and self-hatred for what he did. And he finally confesses to his sister what he's done. And um, she tells him to come back with the queen or don't come back. <laughs> so and she threatens she, his beard, if I remember correctly. Yeah, she threatens his beard. She, she grabs him by the beard and takes a knife and says, "You come back with the Queen of Erebor, or you don't come home." And she means it. Mm-hmm. She really does. Um, everybody lived. I'm, I'm a happily ever after kind of girl, so everybody lived. Um, everybody <laughs> who wants so to when, live lived. Volgan and and what's his face died. Azog can die. Yeah, die. Yeah. Die. But there is a problem, and 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 there's a big problem brewing in the Shire because it's gotten out what Bella did, and what Bella did was is that she destroyed the One Ring, while everybody mm-hmm. was focused on Thorin and what he was doing, and the dwar the, the dwarves in the East. Gandalf took her to Mordor, and she destroyed the One Ring while no one was paying attention. Seems like and a logical perfect. thing to do to me. Because everybody was focused on, well, what's he going to do next? Is there, is there going to be more war? Is there going to be peace? And so while everybody was sending messengers to Mordor, and everybody had their eye, even the rangers, on what the dwarves were doing, here's mm-hmm. tiny Bella taking the one ring into Mordor, and she drops it in a volcano and kills a whole bunch of orcs and goblins. The problem is, is that it becomes known. Well, it's not just and that, so but, Bella. You know, it's a- Bella is in her little garden, and she's nurturing her nursery, and and she's got her babies, and they're she's in her final month of sewing when when Thorin shows up, and this is when you find out 
the the center of Thorne's grief is that he thought in in doing what he did that he had killed their heart babies, their their heart seeds. Mm-hmm. And so to find her nurturing not one but two um in a nursery is is rather overwhelming and um <clears throat> what Bella doesn't know is that the rangers and the elves have been keeping orcs out of the shire. Mhm. And that she's in a lot of trouble. <laughs> because they were so proud of what she did that they started they telling told everybody. People, not everybody, but people in power, like the White Wizard. Oh, yes. 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 He's just a few. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So He's that's a problem. Sure a that's a big meal. problem, and, and, and it's going to come. Um, and uh, so, yeah. So that's, that's a lot of fun. So I saw, I've, I've been playing with politics, and I've been reading, and um, I read The Hobbit this week. Oh, you did. Um, yeah, the book. Yeah, Where you I read found the book. It. I know I had to buy the ebook, but whatever. Um, <laughs> <coughs> um, and I've bought uh, the two movies. I, I I've watched the first one. But I haven't watched the second one. Um, oh. Anyways, so the um, there's so much fun to be had with the with this trope mm-hmm. of the babies. And what Bella will find out is that she is the only nurturing hobbit in the Shire. Everybody put theirs on hold? They're afraid to. Oh. They know it's beyond the Shire. They know that orcs are gathering. And so they're all invested in Bella. They're bringing her nutrients. They're bringing her fertilizer. They're bringing her tokens. They're just really focused on her. So she has no idea that nobody else is nurturing a nursery. And so when the orcs come, it's bad. It's really bad. And and she thinks that it's much, much worse than it is. But what she doesn't know is that basically the entire Shire has been kind of packing up. <laughs> because they know they can't stay there. They They can't I, stay I, there. And so, yeah. Oh, are, are are we doing a? Let's go to Erebor. Yes, I'm packing up the hobbits, and um, why why we're packing oh, them up is fucked. that we're gonna find out um that the 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 Shire is not their birth grounds. Mm-hmm. In fact, the Shire isn't even that old in canon. Um, it was settled. No, it's not. We found that. Um, yeah. Yeah. So what's going to happen is they're going to find um, they're going to go to Erebor. Mhm. And so all these little hobbits are planning, and there are thousands of them, and they're stocking up food, and they have their little carts. And Thorn, he's like, "What the hell am I going to do with all these hobbits?" Because he has to evacuate them. He can't let orcs kill Bella's little hobbits. <laughs> it would be bad. Yeah, that <laughs> right. That that would not that would not be a good wedding present. No. That would go over I agree, badly. Um, Lucas. He's saying the Gladdenfields near Erebor. That's um, what I've chosen from the map. I think that works the best, the Gladdenfields. And it actually makes a whole lot of sense mm-hmm. considering that I had the um, – my hobbits are born from the last fairy queen. Um, all the fairies faded but one. Mm-hmm. And um, 
she loved her people so much that she had all these heart seeds in um, in her heart, and she planted them in a big field, and she nurtured them for a year. And at the end of the year, the hobbits were born, and she faded away. So she's their mother. Um, I picked O R L A I T H Orlas 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 um, as yes as their mother. Um, they're all Fayborn. Um, it's uh, it's I'm just I'm really excited and fascinated by this trope. And the thing is, is it started out with a Cabbage Patch Baby, and then it grew into this. It grew. It it mm-hmm. it. it it was a little Cabbage Patch baby. It was going to be a dwab, but it was perfect. Um, my favorite part <laughs> so far is that Dwalin actually has a dwabbit. There is a dwabbit already in the Shire. Mm-hmm. And um, he is Dwalin's son. And it's not a secret to Dwalin. Dwalin knows. He's been hiding them there in the Shire for ten years. Um, oh, and there's a line that where... right. Yeah, yeah. It 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 um it occurred to me that why would it be a secret? They both Point. loved each other. I mean it was obvious, so um mm-hmm. and his hobbit is all dark haired and green eyed and, and beautiful and a boy, male. Mm-hmm. Um a male hobbit. And um I hope not mm-hmm. Lucas. <laughs> I wanna, I I can feel the wrath of the um oh god <laughs> the, the 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 Tolkien fandom in the distance like a herd of orc but I don't care cuz I actually can't <laughs> that shit to me. Um <laughs> Yes, I just called the Lord of the Rings fandom orc. Sorry. Sorry. Yeah. Not really. Not really. I'm, I'm I'm not really sorry. No, not really. Anyways, <clears throat> so I have um Dwalin's son in um in my favorite part is when, when Bella realizes and she looks at him like, What the fuck? And he's like, I can't bring my family here until I've supported out all my enemies and she's like, Well kill your enemies <laughs> Kill them. Kill them so, all. Just 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 kill them <laughs> and get over with. Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh, kill them, kill them all. Worry not for fandom. For real, right? Yeah, I'm not worrying about fandom. I've never worried about fandom. That's part of the problem people have with me, is that I have no respect for fandom. Um, That's why the Sentinel fandom was so mean to me, because I didn't write Blair the way that everybody else did. It was because I don't actually care. It was fashionable at the time, and that was the ridiculous thing, because there are earlier stories where Blair was just as much of a kick-ass as, as Jim, and then somebody decided to write Wimpy Femi um, Blair, and it became fashionable, and everybody got on the bandwagon. Now, there was a question. I did get a question in my email as to why I made my um, why I made Bilbo a girl. Um, actually, technically, question. she probably isn't Bilbo. Because what happens is is that there was a boy before Bella, and his name was Paladin, and that's why she named her son um, the uh, what she did, and he died. And Bella is actually just 34 years old, so she's just past her majority. And I did that mm-hmm. so that um, she would be closer to lifespan age with Thorn. Right. 
Um, um, so his name wasn't Bill Doe. Um, uh, <laughs> that it was not was Bill a, Doe. That, <laughs> it was not Bill Doe either. <laughs> that was a Freudian slip if I ever heard one. <clears throat> I can use any name I want. Um, uh, Paladin is actually all over. There's like five or, diff- five, five or six different mm-hmm. hobbits named um Paladin. So what I did was I put a little mark <laughs> over the eye at the end. Chad apparently made, kind of made it like a dwarf, so it's Paladin at the end with the mm-hmm. E. So yeah, um, her brother was Paladin Baggins, and he died. And um, some 20 years after his death, her mother um, planted in the nursery, and, and Bella is the result. And I did that mostly just for age. So, yes, you can consider her a female Dobo or not. It's entirely up to you. I don't actually care either way. Um, She's a female bag. As to, why I made her, as to why I made her female, only named one female dwarf. One. Mhm. All the other females in 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 Lord of the Rings, except for the one shield maiden, are delicate feminine elves <laughs> who, mm. you know, and so it's so I don't know, I don't know how anybody could say I have a problem with slash because hello. I am um Yeah, that's actually not the issue. And I think that a lot of times writers make a character um, female um, instead of male because they can't write slash. Well, everybody knows that's not my problem. I can write the hell out of butt sex. Um, and I just mm-hmm. made I just made um, I just made Bilbo a girl. There's three women in Hobbit canon that I remember hearing about. Lobelia, Belladonna, Belladonna, and whoever, Fro- whoever Frodo's mom is. Belladonna. I remember her name. Pramilia. Cook Baggins no. is Frodo. Oh, no, Pramilla. 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 Prim something. Pramilla? Yeah, she's a Baggins. And Lobelia is a Saxville Baggins. Belladonna was a Took. And... Then we have Arwen, Eowyn, But Black they're saying Rose, in the chat room that Camilla oh, yeah. doesn't actually get a name until Lord of the Rings. She's never named. And I don't think we Thanks. actually get a name for Hamfast's wife in oh, the book. Rosie Cotton. I don't know. That was Rosie Cotton in the the, the, um, the movies. Um, no, Rose Cotton is the one that ends up with Sam, right? Yeah. Oh, no. I'm talking about Hamfast, his wife, Sam's oh, mother. And her and, and and her name is Belle, um, but um, that's actually you can find her in the family tree. Her name is Belle. Um, yeah, they're all named in the appendixes. Yeah. So, but that's the reason that I made my Bilbo a girl because I am in a mood for female empowerment, and and that's all it is. That's. All it is. <laughs> I'm writing a badass Bella. I'm writing a badass Bella. So here's the things that could come into play. Um, there's the white wizard, who's not so white. Um, no. 
you going to have him be a rainbow like he is in the books? Yes. When when he finally shows up, um, shows up he'll be a rainbow. Um, and in fact, it will be the fight he has with um, Gandalf that makes Gandalf um, Gandalf the White. Interesting. Okay. Um, because the, there's going to come a moment, um, and I'm not sure if this is a spoiler or not. But I I feel like um, um, because of what I've done with the ring, that you know that Gandalf has to have some kind of um, transition to become Fair. Gandalf the White. Um, okay. So I'm going to. Uh, uh, well, even if Moria does happen, it won't happen the same way because there's no reason for the fellowship because the ring has been destroyed. So, if mm-hmm. I want Gandalf to go from gray to white, he has to ha- make some kind of sacrifice, right? He is, so mm-hmm. he's going to sacrifice himself um, for Bella's babies. Cool. He's going to stand between Bella and how do you say his name? Sauron. 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 Sourpuss. Let's call him Sourpuss from now on. He's going to stand between <laughs> Bella and 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 Sourpuss, and um, and but he's not going to die because um he doesn't die in in canon. He comes back as Gandalf the White. Mm-hmm. Sauron. So, apparently, Sourpuss is now his name. Um, yeah, you just you're going to type that. I'm going to see it when I when I do the the. Uh, the yeah, I'm, I'm totally going to type it just to make you and Chris laugh. I'm, I'm totally going to type it. Sourpuss. You have to do a master place because he'll be Sourpuss everywhere. Um, so anyway, so here's the pro- here's the thing that happened to me after I started talking about my my plot bunny. I got links to every single Cabbage Patch baby fic in fandom. Despite the fact that I'd already said I'd read them all. <laughs> And it, you get to this point where they think, Ross, I try thinking, do you people think I'm going to plagiarize or something? Did you want to let me know that mm-hmm. all this has already happened so I don't um, waste my time writing it? Because I mean, that's, that, that's what happens when you when you hit on a, not, no, everybody did to me, Shelley, not just you. Um, and you get kind of paranoid. You get super paranoid. And I'm like, uh. <laughs> mm-hmm. <clears throat> Um, A.M. must have missed earlier when I talked about the ring. Bella destroyed the ring immediately um, in the year after the Battle of the Five Armies. Um, I love Time Travel Fix. I'm currently reading An an Expected Journey by... uh, Let me get back up here so I can see the name. Um... Marie Jacqueline. Mm-hmm. I'm super excited about it because it's actually finished. Yay! So, yeah. okay, so Bella destroys the ring. A um a a m and um that's the reason why the hobbits are in trouble because um Gandalf reported the ring destroyed to Sourpuss. <laughs> that makes me that's so funny! Oh my god. So anyways He's pissed He's super pissed He also happens to have control Mm -hmm. Some minimal control over the orcs 
So he's the reason why the um, orcs keep kind of intruding on the Shire. They're looking for her. Mm-hmm. But everybody around her is shielding her from it so she doesn't get stressed out because she's nurturing her babies. Um, you want to link to my story that I'm reading? Yeah, sure one. Yeah, of course. Okay. Please. At, that's a time travel. It's called An Expected Journey. Yes, I've, I'm just I've, I've, I've renamed the villain. Yeah. Anyways, so the Rivendell elves are surrounding the Shire. The Rangers are there. Everybody's kind of, kind of pushing in to keep the. And meanwhile, all the hobbits have made a plan. They're going to mm-hmm. return to their nurturing ground, and so at some point, the thane of of the Shire is going to take Thorn aside and say, "Look, dude, <laughs> you're going to have to take it with you when you go." And he's going to be like, "Take your family." Fuck. He goes, "No, take my people. We're we're all going with Bella. It's not you just know." Her. And here's the thing. and Thorn is like, "I only brought twelve drawers." <laughs> This is not what I signed up for. <laughs> you know, and he's like, don't worry, we're already packed. <laughs> so, Thorin's going to send a letter to his sister, and Dee's is going to be um, trying to clean up the area that they want. And, um, you know, Thorin is really, really, really invested in making Bella happy. So what he does is is he makes a detailed drawing of Bag End, and he sends it to his sister. And so his sister, using these plans, starts making a hobbit village. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So he takes one of the biggest and most impressive and, you know, very wealthy um, hobbit holes in the Shire and sends it to Erebor. So these is like building a village based on Bag End. <laughs> mm-hmm. well, and he has no idea done. what he's done. No. <clears throat> uh, Tookville, Tookville, at least in canon, they have the Great Samal, so, which yeah. is what apparently those things are called. And so the Tooks um, may or may not send something up there with them, but they have, they have ones that are... are you know, hundreds of years old, and they're huge. Okay, right. And so, so yeah, so know. there's that too. But um, but mm-hmm. what's gonna happen? What, what what's gonna come out is that shortly after Thorin left, he mm-hmm. got a visiting delegation from the Shire. And mm-hmm. um, what Bella doesn't know is that these little towns, these little towns in the Shire have been slowly clearing out. So by the time mm-hmm. her babies mm-hmm. are getting ready to born, there are only about 500 hobbits in the Shire. The rest mm-hmm. of them are already on their way <laughs> to the Lonely oh, Mountain. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> by the way, click that link. Oh, no. <clears throat> click the link. Holy crap. Oh, see? That's huge. Yeah. That's oh yeah, um, yeah. So she's. I need to put that in my list. Um, <laughs> so yeah, the, that's what Thorin is, um, and they're all, you know. So that's what. So this is what's happening. Um, and the best part. Oh my God, this is so much fun. <laughs> 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 the 
Legolas decided that Thorin almost dying in the Battle of the Five, Ar- um, um, Five Armies kind of hurt his feelings. So his dad is making Thorin foster Legolas. <laughs> oh, damn it. <laughs> so Thorin, in the midst of all his angst about his wife and where she is and all this is going on, his, has got this elf living in his mountain who won't leave <laughs> and he can't he can't be mean to him because it's legolas ah <laughs> oh, leggy yes you get away with so, so yeah so, so legolas is, so legolas came to um to the shire and um he brought the redhead with him um much to thorns um pleasure but he can't i mean it's like he's trying to be fucking diplomatic for once because um he wants to be the kind of king that Bella deserves, and so he's been mm-hmm. um, biting his tongue, and it's, <laughs> it's ridiculous. It's just, you know, because there's so much angst, I had to put fun in it somewhere. I had to put fun in it somewhere. So that's the fun. The, Terrell is with Legolas, because um, I totally ship that. I'm sorry, I don't care if it makes people mad. I totally ship Legolas and the Redhead. All right. I do. Well, wait a second. There's I do. I should here. Excuse me. There's two redheads I, here. There's Gimli, who's a flaming redhead, and then there's herself. Ooh, I totally ship it. Threesome? I totally ship it. I don't know. Oh. Hot damn. Although I do have a threesome among the hobbits, um, because Bella points out that while she has a lot of heart seeds, there is a family in um, in, in the Shire that has 15. Um and she said, but there's three of them. And he's like, he has two wives? And she goes, ha, ah, Megan's got two husbands. <laughs> Go for Megan. And Thorin's like, I don't fucking think so. <laughs> so, yeah. He's going to look at um, I can't keep up with you. Why do I want another? For a guy who's pushing 200, he is awful bloody dumb. So, you know, Thorin's going through a change. Um, I do agree with that when um, they said that, that Legolas and Gimli is, is, is practically canon and, and, and he wrote everything mm-hmm. with the butt sex. I do agree with that, yes. But as you well know, um, mm-hmm. I don't always agree with canon pairings. This is true. <laughs> yeah, I'm with um What's the time difference between Hobbit and Lur? I think Emily was 139. He he was deemed apparently too young to to go on the trip. Okay. Um, There's, what, 80 years between um, The Hobbit and Lord of the Rings? Because Bilbo is... No, there's 61 years because he's 50 in The Hobbit and and 111 in Lord of the Rings. 60 years. So Gimli would have been 79? Why was he too young? Weird. Oh, this is true. Aragorn's a baby. No, wait a second. He can't be 10. He said, well, okay, pardon me. This is movie verse. 
um, Movieverse has Aragorn be 80-something because he comments to um, Eowyn that he's in his 80s. Is that correct? I am going to call my phone company and cut them straight out. I just want you all to know that. Okay. Yeah. Not right now. That's good, huh? me, but, but later. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm cutting somebody out. Um, oh, good. Yep. He's 87. So he's 27 years old in The Hobbit. Okay. Who is? So, Aragorn. Who? Gimli? The one that... No. Aragorn is 27. Gimli is probably... No, they're saying the child is Aragorn 10 in The Hobbit. Well, he can't be 10 in The Hobbit because he's 87 in um, uh, The Two Towers. And there's only 60 years between the two. Yeah, that's right. Off canon yeah, again. Son of a bitch. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> so Aragorn is 10 years old in this. In, in he's the 17. Hobbit. He's 10. Yeah, whatever. Okay. I was going movie verse where, you know, he uh Frodo yeah, this is, actually gets this off the where and you runs. confess your sin. Confess your sin. <laughs> what? <laughs> that I haven't read it? You've never actually she's never actually <laughs> read the book. She's not read any of the books. Well, uh, last time I picked up the book I had this incredible urge to go find a red pen. It was embarrassing. <laughs> so, yeah, pass. Sorry, I was drinking tea. Didn't mean to cough in everybody's ear. <sighs> Just saying. <clears throat> 17 years between Bilbo's 111th and any leaves the share. Yeah, because Bilbo turns 111, Frodo turns 33 in the same party, and then... 17 years later, he leaves. He's the same age as Bilbo when he goes on his adventure, which is 50, from what I remember. So I'm going to go with the book version of him and have him be 10 years old. Fine. That way I don't have to ride him because I have the Rangers in play. And <clears throat> if that's true, that's actually kind of creepy. I I really not pay attention to the fact that he was raised in Rivendell by Elrond. So mm-hmm. Arwen's known him since he was an infant. Yep. And probably took care of him while he was an infant. Possibly. She apparently was shipped off to Lothlorien a couple times. But still, I mean, she would have been, the whole time, she was in Lothorian the whole time he was there. I don't know. Just a summer vacation. <clears throat> so she spent 100 years or so in, or how many years, 50 or 60 years in, um, at, at least 20. Yeah. Okay, that's like, that's less creepy than, than than what I thought, but still considering the fact that Elrond raised him as a son, 
Mm-hmm. Of course, I'm going to tell you the truth. In Lord of the Rings, I actually shipped Legolas and um, Aragorn. <laughs> Aragorn. I'm right yep. Aragorn? I totally yeah. shipped that. Yeah. Legolas. And apparently he started Orlando Bloom if that flirty little look at the end of <laughs> Return of the King is any indication. Yep. <laughs> when he's in the receiving line? Are you mm-hmm. kidding me? <laughs> oh, yeah. For a second there, I thought he was one the one getting, getting ready to marry him. It would have been an interesting um, trick. I mean, that that would have been an interesting, um, that would have been in a very interesting bed. <laughs> He's the king. I don't know why he can't have two. <laughs> it's good to be king. You know? <laughs> Peter Jackson shipped it. I'm sure he probably did. Do you wonder if uh-huh. Orlando Bloom did that as a joke and Peter Jackson kept it anyway? I think he did. Yeah. Anyways. Uh, but anyway, that character really isn't going to show up in my in my story because it's not about him. Uh, yeah. Um, <clears throat> and the Rangers are kind of in the distance anyway. They're, you know... There's yeah, I totally of, shipped Legolas and Aragorn in the movies. I totally did. Mm-hmm. I from the beginning. Well, I wasn't shipping Sam Frodo anyway. Oh God, yeah. I do. I ship it. I ship I it. I know. I've seen. Um, I've seen a lot of it. Really, the character of Sam in Lord of the Rings is um, he's he's the hero of the entire thing. Mm-hmm. I believe. I really do. He's the unsung hero. He is so loyal and so strong all the way to the end, all the way to the end. And it's just, it's definitely a better love story than Twilight. There's the other thing about uh, Sam is he he was the last ring bearer who stayed behind, even though he bore it only for a little while. He he still did it. Yeah. So. But doesn't he end up going to the Undying Lands as well? Mm-hmm. Long after, um, when Rosie and his and his kids are are when Rosie's gone and his kids are gone, I guess. But yeah, he eventually went. So. But also, when you think about it, if you think about the way the entire thing is structured, mm-hmm. and it's, um, and you realize that Frodo wrote the Lord of the Rings, then what you get from that is that Sam is Frodo's hero. Mm-hmm. See why the you know that very much so that even you know that 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 Frodo is you know anyway 
<clears throat> Bilbo Smog is best love story in the world. Oh, I God. I find that whole Bilbo Smog thing really creepy. I I have a real problem with it. Uh, that, And um, you can't blame anything but Sherlock for it. Yeah, that's that's a and good point. Who, who knew that Sherlock would be the cause of that much bestiality porn? <laughs> um, not Moffat, that's for sure. <laughs> Tell us how you really feel, AM. <laughs> Yeah, A.M. is not a real big fan of Twilight because she just suggested that Leggy and Orcrus, Thor and Sword, get jiggy with it. <laughs> so anyway, back to tropes. I remember when I um, decided to uh, kind of dip my finger in the Sentinel trope, and I'd already written The Awakening. And um, mm-hmm. Lady Holder is to blame for my um, fusion. Um, she is probably to blame for Sentinels of Atlantis because I read her unlikely and unwilling and thought, oh, oh, shit, really? Because I had read ones where Rodney was the Sentinel, and I was like, hmm, that doesn't. But she flipped it, which I have to admit I was looking for. It. I was actually looking for a fic where John was the Sentinel. And I read hers, and I went, oh, see? It made it made more sense. I mm. I think I just watched the uh, again the um uh the storm in the eye, and I'm really sorry to the people who just love the thought of of Rodney being the the sentinel. But uh, John sits there and he calmly, rationally, and without a twitch mows through ten, twelve who knows how many, Janai, in, in person, and then closes up the iris on up to 70 more. That's, right. not the, the, that's not the actions of somebody who is em, um, empathetically open and getting the impression from everybody. The screaming, panic, and, and raging emotions that, <coughs> that McKay is doing because he's dealing with the psychopath behind him and the panicked lady in front of him, that makes more sense if he's the guy. <laughs> so, yeah, I dip my, my finger into into that. It's like this, this, this conversation in the chat you've got me out of control. It's all about what they're... <laughs> Terrell they're better than Tone. Yeah, the runestone apparently is going to get some some action later in its lifetime. But the the Sauron and Sauron uh, is in, <laughs> Sauron in a glowing so eyeball is just ew. <laughs> Come on, people. Oh, <laughs> uh, uh. yeah. Anyways, so whenever you kind of you you move into a new trope. You you want to make mm-hmm. it your own. You want to move it and shift it, and which is why I started my fic in the mountain because Lady Holder had started hers in Antarctica. And I thought, okay, I'm going to shift mine a little bit. I'm going to move it, make it a little bit different, and mm-hmm. um, then I did what I did. Yes, you did. 
And because I have a habit of recycling original characters and, and moving them through <laughs> my story, eventually John's family showed up, and then Chase showed up, and then Ian showed up out of the blue and on Atlantis, and you didn't got me into that shit coming, did you? And, you know, so it's like... I should have. So now I move around. And that whole plot with Miko was because I actually forgot she had the ATA gene. Uh-huh. Surprise. So I had forgotten she had it, and then when I realized, oh, oh, shit, I have to do something. And then I actually wrote what I think is the best episode of the entire first season. Mm-hmm. I think by far the Queen is the best episode of Stargate, of, of My Sentinels of Atlanta mm-hmm. It's definitely one of the strongest, that's for sure. There's an interesting one. So, I mean, I, there's something about it that's really the ebb and the flow of it and, and her worry and the the knowledge that no matter how hard she was trying, she wasn't actually hiding anything from the pay. Yeah. And, you know, and Miko having her moment when she kills the queen um, mm-hmm. and, and coming into her own. Uh, and and, and I, it was important for, honestly, for Miko to have that moment because of mm-hmm. what happens to Miko in second season. The the my Miko favorite had to find actual, I know, but my my favorite line in there is is where Miko looks at the queen and says, "If I actually survive this, I believe I will start practicing for headshot or something to that effect." <laughs> <laughs> I mean, no, she's not having a screaming panic. She's not, you know, laying down and dying. She's just looking at the queen going, if I make it through this, headshots are us. You know, it's, and I'm gonna, I, can, yeah. I, I honestly hope that you have a scene <laughs> where she's down in the SGC's range and she's all done up with all the protective gear, and she's calmly but certainly making headshots. And some dumb fuck walks up behind her and looks at it and keeps on walking. Just keeps on walking. Excuse me. <laughs> you know, you're standing your right. But the thing is, is that Miko was so scared and so afraid of of her gifts and and what it would mean for she her. She had reason to be that. Well, yeah, but she withdrew so deeply that for what I had planned for her in the future, she had to come oh, yeah. into her own. Mm-hmm. This is true. And she did that by killing a queen, a, a, a race queen. Mm-hmm. So, and she did a phenomenal job. I, <laughs> I like the scientist in the dupper with her. It's a colonel. Good of you to join us. Let me, let me uh-huh. see Radio 14. <laughs> yes, in Sentinels of Atlantis, um, Sentinels and guys are, um, depending on the government, um, there, are, there are lots of government and um, governments on the earth that consider Sentinels and guys basically government property. And Japan is one of those. Uh, North Korea is another. Uh, I also was um, radically. Radix home country was that way. Um, I wanted to um, demonstrate how it would, how the, basically Politics it boils down to, 
whenever you're trying to differentiate a, a group of people, there's going to be discrimination in, in how they're um, in how they're treated. Mm-hmm. So yes, you know, <coughs> Canada is more progressive than even the United States because while the United States has a rating system, Canada's like fuck that shit. We don't care. Be you. Keep us safe. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, the United States is trying to measure them and train them and, you know, pigeonhole them, kind of militantly, you know, encourage them into public and civil service, um, military service as well. Uh, so every country has their issues and problems and, you know, so the United States is trying to measure and control, and you can't have this, and you can't have pride, but you can serve, and you can do this, and you can do that, but you can't be in politics, and you can't, you know, stuff mm-hmm. like that. You know, guys aren't allowed to be psychologists, which is a problem. Mm-hmm. Considering they'd be damn near perfect at it. Well, and also because there's a guy on Atlanta who's actually got a PhD in psychology, and if it gets back to Earth, he'll lose his license to practice. Really? So both Elizabeth and her husband, um, oh, if they yeah. return to Earth, will have lost I forgot about their livelihood. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. that's going to go over badly. You know? They will be coming back to Earth anytime soon, so it's not really a problem, and the SGC don't give a shit. Yeah, I, I don't I, give honestly, a shit. I can honestly see Jack telling somebody who gets all stroppy with him about it, go away, fuck off, go, shoot, thumbs, you know, and do it in such a way that the guy starts running because he's not happy. Yeah. It's it's going to be an interesting trick. Oh, hey. Dark, Dark mentions that they could become Canadians. <laughs> That's the solution for everything. Fuck it, we're all going to Canada. Well, you know, we've all already agreed to that. If you know the U.S. goes to shit that badly, we're all moving. So yeah, <laughs> just fuck all y'all. <laughs> we're going to fuck Canada. all y'all and, and a bag of you know. We're leaving. Yeah, oh, but you know, so yeah, there's like this whole thing. Um, Mm-hmm. In Sentinels of Atlantis, Miko is not Canadian. In Sentinels of Atlantis, no. Miko is from Japan. Yes. And she... And I did I remember on purpose because in season two, um, that's going to be a big issue. Because mm-hmm. I'm gonna, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you a little bit about it. Um, the race hive is going to approach Atlantis, and there's going to be a really powerful queen on that Um and you all saw how Miko reacted to the queen that was mm-hmm. on the planet. And she was dormant most of that time that Miko felt her. Um, so this queen is so detrimental to Miko because she's unbonded that the, in in order to make sure Miko doesn't go insane, um, they're going to dial Earth and send her back. That's going to go over well. There will be four people going back to Earth. Um, I she's one of them. Mm-hmm. 
and um, there really is uh, no choice about the um, two. And so John's going to send back the two guys that are unbonded, which will be Nico and Ian. And then mm-hmm. there will be a Sentinel guide pair returning, um, mostly because I want to get rid of a character on Atlantis, and I'm, I'm tired of writing her. <laughs> I know exactly okay. who that one is. Yeah. <clears throat> Anyways, so, because I like the Sentinel. So what happens is, is Nico returns to Earth, and O'Neill is hiding her because he doesn't want to admit to the Japanese government that he has a Japanese citizen who's a guide, um, and they're working on getting her citizenship um, rushed through, and um, she. Uh, makes a connection. She makes a very powerful and unexpected connection. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. And if you think about yep. it, you know who it is. If you think about it in the way that I structured the, the, the Queen episode, you will know uh, exactly who her sentinel is. But, <clears throat> again, when you're moving through tropes and you're trying to figure out what you can make your and what you have to keep to stay to stay true to the trope, um, what has to happen? Like when it comes to the alpha omega, you have to have cycles. You have to have the heat. You have to have nodding. Otherwise, you're not really um, hitting the trope. Mm-hmm. You know, it's kind of like in, in Harry Potter. If you make Harry noble, he has to have money too. <laughs> you can't just you oh, yeah. know. No, you know, you have to you have to put it all together and, and make it a certain way. Mm-hmm. He can't be the only one, so there has to be this whole structure of lords and ladies mm-hmm. around him. He can't be the only one of them. So you have to kind of restructure no. everything. And if, and if you don't, it, it looks weird and funky. And um, Although I do have that idea where um, during fourth year, instead of... Uh, Fake Moody putting Harry's name in the goblet. Um, mm-hmm. Hogwarts does it. <laughs> Hogwarts. She picks him, and there ends up being only three champions: um, Delacour, Crom, and Harry. And um, and okay. it's because in her efforts to protect him, Hermione came across mm-hmm. a ritual. And mm-hmm. all she wanted to do was protect Harry. That's the whole thing. Because every year they've gone to Hogwarts, somebody or something has tried to kill Harry. <laughs> and Hermione's had enough. She's going to fix this. And she comes across a ritual. And she thinks it's actually very, very close to the ritual that Harry's mother did for him. To mm-hmm. protect him. It's not. Okay. Uh, her heart. But she meant well. And <laughs> what she actually does is because of Harry's uh, lineage, which she's unaware of, um, she actually wakes up Harry's Pendragon. That's gonna go and they find out that Harry is a descendant of the last magical king. And um, mm-hmm. uh, So she wakes up the Pendragon legacy trying to keep Harry safe. And they do it down in the bottom of the school in the uh, – in the the Chamber of Secrets. And Harry's like, mm-hmm. okay, Hermione, whatever you think is that. Sure. <laughs> it's not hard to getting killed, too, or getting almost killed. And, you know, that thing mm-hmm. is, uh, yeah, so it's just, 
So so he's like, yeah, okay. So she wakes up the Pendragon legacy and accidentally crowns Harry King. <laughs> I had this whole plot money and written down in my book. <laughs> uh-huh. You know, it just amuses me. It just amuses me to you know to play with that whole idea that he's a descendant of of, of somebody like that. You know, and so that's a trope in the Harry Potter fandom that you can play with, and you can make it as mm-hmm. cracky or as serious as you want it to be. And I like the idea of, of of Hermione, who's so invested in her books, stumbling across something that nobody has seen in like a thousand years. Um, what do you bet she went she to the room of requirements? Something. She went to Super the rumor requirement and asked, and asked for something to keep Harry safe. And Hogwarts, in all her semi-sentient you know, glory, goes, okay, okay, and and barks <laughs> up this, this book. Fuck it, he already and, pulled his scabber out of the hat. <laughs> yes. And, and at that point, Hermione reads the whole thing through, goes, okay, this is perfect, trusts in Hogwarts that she's going to keep her, him safe, does not further research and goes and does it. So yeah, stuff like that's really no, fun no, to boy. play with. You know, you can, you know, especially when you have readers that are so deep in the canon that you don't have to explain a lot of stuff. Like they uh-huh. already know that Harry comes from a terrible home, and they already mm-hmm. know all this and that. And you can really play with it and have a lot of fun. You know, with 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 Harry being the Earl of Gryffindor or um, also what was also a really fun idea to play with would be if Harry got a title after the war, that if the queen bestowed on him a title, say maybe mm-hmm. even like, oh, oh, like the Duke of Avalon <laughs> as a reward for, for what he did. And so here's Harry stumbling along. Um, after the war, and and the Muggle Queen gives him a title, and he thinks, okay, fine, he's gonna take it. It's just a Muggle title, but it's not just a Muggle title. Mm-hmm. And then after he accepts it, he realizes that, and he actually ends up becoming like the regent of the magical society in in, in Britain against his will. Mm-hmm. That would be fun. <laughs> you could call it. Because the queen is part of their shit. Mm. Yes. She's you, not you have their shit you, war. You have won me my war, and now I will curse your line for all time. You are now in mm. charge of the madhouse. So be it. You need to get and these assholes in line. I'm, I'm tired yes. of their shit. Yes, and at that point, all Harry can do is go, fuck. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> And honestly, I think that's where his, his if he ever had a uh, give a shit, it broke. <laughs> you know? <sighs> so, yeah, I like the idea of, you know, just one more, because Harry Potter is and always will be fate stitch. So you have to play with that you know, and, and have fun with that. And so a lot of times you can play with these tropes and just it, it can be really, really super fun. Like time travel. I love time travel fix in Harry Potter. Where it, Like mm-hmm. whether, whether he goes back for good or whether he goes back for pure evil, I love it either way. I especially love it when he goes back for revenge. And I do have one. I do 
I do have a revenge time travel stick, and um, I haven't written on it in a while, but she, I, I'm really proud yeah, of she, it. Yeah, she is me. Really she happy, I think I only read 10,000 words of Cabbage Patch Baby Stick in the past week. Son of a bitch. I know. <laughs> did you break anything? Oh, oh in the North Star, did you break anything? words right now. Hmm? Yes, but did you break anything? No, nothing's broken yet. Hallelujah. Okay. <laughs> I, I'm not expect. I'm not. I shouldn't be expecting ten thousand words by next week then. No, but I have written about mm, upwards of thirty thousand words this week. I'm impressed. It's weird. Yeah. No, it's not. You do this in stages. <laughs> and that's not counting all the work I did in my plot book. Mhm. So anyway, yeah. Um, other tropes are lots of fun. Um, I uh, I love soulmate stories. Mm-hmm. Well, the the dwarves are a whole bunch of them. How, yeah, with yeah, with Lord of the Rings, you do and Hobbit because of the one. But they're, mm-hmm. they they really don't explore it that much. I mean, there aren't a whole bunch of ones that explore it from Bilbo's side, which I think would be really really mm-hmm. fun. Yeah. I know, I know, Azor. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm a weirdo. <laughs> She's complaining in the chat room that she didn't write 30k last year. Um, I meant to add it up. I think I wrote upwards. Um, if you count professional and fan fiction works. Um. Uh, I think I wrote upwards of um, 400,000 words last year. Uh-huh. Doesn't surprise me. Dildo. Yeah. Dildo and Sourpuss. <laughs> it would actually be a better <laughs> romance than Twilight. <laughs> <laughs> I think that um, as a writer... You have to um, be comfortable with what you're capable of. Um, otherwise, you get discouraged and um, you get. Uh, and then when you get discouraged, you get blocked and you don't write at all. You know, so there have been times when I've barely pulled um, even fifty thousand words in a year. You know, so we all go through until uh, <laughs> those hour push the early years. So yeah, you know, so yeah, don't you know, don't worry about your number. Worry about your quality. And Have your fun quality with it. is quite nice. Be Adrian. proud of it. And um <laughs> Bunny Bounce with the minions. But yeah, so I like the soulmate thing, but like I was saying, there's a lot of um uh soulmate fix that kind of push from Thorin's point of view. Mm-hmm. And there are a few from Dildo's point of view, but they're not, um, did I actually say Dildo? <laughs> you guys are yes, ruining me. Oh, my God. And Dildo. Just think of what I'm going to get to type it. Type. It's a good thing oh I'm actually writing Bella, or I'll end up writing Dildo in my story. <laughs> it would totally happen. Yep. Yes, it would. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, 
Sanity. Anyways, I would like to see a full, completed story about Bilbo opening the door and they're standing soaring, and he's thinking, oh, fuck me, that's my soulmate? What? How do I get sucked? Oh, he's so pretty. <laughs> or looking asshole. up at him. <laughs> See, how, how many people have, have ever watched Young Frankenstein? Because there's, there's that never. one I mean, scene. I'm, I think I probably did when I was younger, but. Oh, my God. There's a scene where they've gotten their, their uh, monster on the, on the table, and they're eating breakfast, getting ready for their procedure of the day. And the lovely blonde heroine looks over at the doctor and says, if everything is in proportion, then his German word for something interesting must be, and, you know, <laughs> all I can think of is Bilbo going, portion, this is a lovely thing. <laughs> and just going off to dinner. <laughs> But no, I mean, just imagine, just imagine. Here's Bilbo going about his day, and these dwarves invade his house, and you know, he doesn't even know what to fucking do with himself. And then he opens the door, and there is his soulmate. He actually got lucky because out of all the dwarves, um, he and and Keely are the prettiest of the of the the thirteen. Oh, that reminds me. There's a scene in my story where we talk, where Bella talks about that because um, Bella doesn't give the Arkenstone to Bard. That's not what happens between her and Thorin. Um, I'm I'm gonna leave that for a surprise. Um, but Thorin does point out that the Rye brothers or the Ree brothers are considered mm-hmm. very very attractive and. Mm-hmm. Bella points out to him that by Hobbit by Hobbit standards, that actually Keeley is the most attractive out of all of them. Yep. Yep. And then she talks about his feet, and Thorin's like, "Stop talking about my nephew's feet." Because <laughs> Keeley's like the only one who actually takes care of his feet, you know, clips his toenails and stuff, mm-hmm. which she thinks is very important. <laughs> Oh yes, I can't imagine. I cannot see a hobbit with with long toenails and they're just not taken care of and ew, ingrown. Yeah. Feely is I do think pretty. Feely is gorgeous. I do. The actor that plays Feely, he's beautiful. I have to say, but um, mm-hmm. I'm not really fond of beards. I don't know. Richard Armitage um, looks fabulous in but, his. But Richard Armitage, you know, yeah, yeah, he owned that shit. He totally <laughs> owned that shit. I'm like, what? What? Come on. <laughs> I have them. Wow. Yes. Yes. Jay, but, you, you know, are the only one. Here's, um, and and what? Our poor boss. Our poor boss lady in Hobbit feet. I know, right? It's a problem, but I'm working with it. I'm, I'm really working with it. Um, hey, I, I am absolutely, I am absolutely willing to bet that hobbits would actually have their they some place where they could go and get a pedicure because it would only make sense. 
you know. And given that, well, that Bella um, is a gentle hobbit, I'm willing to bet that she's gotten something similar. I'm getting to the point in, in, in my scene structure where um, Bella is preparing for her final sewing. That she sews mm-hmm. once a month. S-O-W. So, um, yeah. And she's and Thorin's arrived for that, and he's watched them all bring gifts from the village, and um, Legolas brought a gift too. Uh, he didn't know what he was bringing it for, but he brought it because his daddy made him. Um, and uh, so she takes Thorin into her her bathroom, and and they're talking, um, and while she's getting ready for her the final ceremony, and uh, he helps her take a bath, and he's being very careful with her, and, you know, just being very careful, and, and he washes her hair, and they have this whole moment just this way, and um, he asks if he can put braids in her hair, and, and, and she agrees, um, and her hair is just down on her shoulders at this point, so she, um, so she doesn't have a lot, and um, mm-hmm. then she brings out a little box, and it's got pearl beads in it, tiny pearl beads, and um, she explains to him how um, during the final month of of nurturing that hobbits braid the hair on their feet and they put tiny beads, which is why the story is called Beads of Her Feet. Um, mm-hmm. And she asked him to put the beads on her feet and establishing Thorne's foot fetish. <laughs> That's never, mm. ever going to go away. <laughs> because she's managed to do to him something he did not expect. <laughs> so he makes these tiny little braids, and he braids these um, these beads into um, the hair on her feet. And that's why the story is called Beads on Her Feet. Um, it, it's a sign of motherhood um, among hobbits. And only female hobbits do it. Um, even though male hobbits can um, nurture, this is just a female tradition, and, and male hobbits have their own, which I haven't figured out what it mm-hmm. is yet, but um, it'll come up because Dwalin, um will be having another baby at some point. So um, uh, his <laughs> his hobbit will be nurturing an, an, another child, and there will be in, some kind of um, in, thing going on. Right. But here's here's the thing. Somewhere, and I, I think it's in... It's in um, Unexpected Journey. There's a scene where the old Took is sitting down to a Punch and Judy show, and he's got mutton chops, massive mutton (laughs) chops. Okay. So, you know, this is the only time that a male hobbit will grow mutton chops. So maybe a male hobbit doesn't shave his face while he's um, sewing. Yeah. That's interesting. I like that. Which would mean that the old took was sewing at the time that we had that particular um, one. That's a weird one. <laughs> but yeah, that's the that's the beauty of of, of the sewing is that um, sexuality and age have no bearing on it. All you have to do is is be in love and have that love return 
and if um, it's intense enough, they um, have uh, if it's love magic, that love magic will make heart seed. Mm-hmm. And so, what also in this first chapter, um, she finds out that Thorin has a heart seed. Mm-hmm. And that all her heart seeds are male, and he has their girl. So, but I don't know. Um, one thing I haven't figured out is how, uh, is if it, if the heart seed comes from the person, does that person have to sew it? Or could it be that in a couple, there's just one nurturer? Like, so, because, oh, yeah, men can nurture their own seeds because Dwalin's hobbit is male, and they have a mm-hmm. son who's 10 years old. He's the first Dwabit, and he decided, um, Thorin questions that term, Dwabit, and Bella tells him that he was the first, and so when he was five years old, he decided he was a Dwabit, and they all agreed. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> so, uh... They're like, okay, you're you, so you can be a drop if you want to be a drop So, right. And Frodo makes an appearance. He's a tiny baby. I don't care if it's canon or not. I'm not actually sure how old Frodo would actually be or he would even be born at no. this point. Probably not. But I made him no. there. Um, and okay. there. Yeah, he brings... Um, a gift for the and, that Gandalf helped him gather. Are Fermilla and Drogo going to be alive, or are they going to be dead? I don't know. I think that um, realistically, not everybody gets out of the Hobbit, um, um, out of the Shire alive. Mm-hmm. So um, one of the reasons why I put Frodo in that scene was because I was thinking that um, that maybe his parents don't survive the um, the departure from the Shire. Okay. I don't know. I'm aware um, that Pramela and Drogo drown in the river. Um, I just don't know uh, what, what I'm going to do with it because absolutely canon means nothing to me. I, you know, well, I like the idea of, of Frodo being um, Bilbo and Thorin's son as long as Bilbo doesn't lie to Frodo and pretend that he's Bilbo's uncle. Um that makes me super uncomfortable. So as long as you write the story in a way where um, I kill off the Sackville Bagginses. Yeah, but Lobelia is like... Lobelia. Yeah, she's, you know, she's not actually that bad. I mean, she's kind of an asshole, but it's kind of like a lovable asshole. I mean, like, you know, because uh-huh. the thing is, is that she's, she's the, she doesn't she, have the same relationship baby. with Bella that she would have had with Bilbo. Okay, so she is your Hobbit version of Rodney, a lovable asshole. Uh, no, I don't like to do that. I don't like to kind of put characters okay. in that way. She, um, she's her own character. Um, she's just, the thing is, is that um, Lobelia and Bilbo had issues that I don't know that mm-hmm. Lobelia and Bella would. Because women interact differently with each other, even if they hate each other, than than men do. Or men and women do. So 
just yeah. changing um, the the sex of the character changes how she would interact with practically everybody in the Shire. Whereas Bilbo got a, a, a reputation for being mad and crazy and, you know, she was looked down on, he was looked down on. You know, Bella might be treated a little bit differently because she's female. Mm-hmm. There'll be a lot more solicit- solicitous to her? I think so. <laughs> and also, she comes home with a heart so full of love that she has ten heartbeats. And for for my hobbits, because of the way they make children and the way they were born or created in uh, on Middle Earth, um, that love magic is is, is very respected and re- and revered. And so, this is a young woman who's who's found this great love that gave her that filled her heart with life, and that's something that the hobbits really value. And mm-hmm. she's crafting this beautiful garden in the, in the tradition of the uh, of the Shire and she's she's accepted their their help and their their care um whereas Bilbo with withdrew and was very he isolated um, himself isolated but Bella doesn't yeah. I mean she, when she comes home to the Shire she embraces them in in their traditions to kind of help with her own grief and and, and her own loss and so it makes a difference when you change um, the character and, and how they work because women reach out for others when they're um, – women reach out for support. And also women support each other, you know. They have big support groups. And so when Bella finally comes out of her of her hobbit hole and she starts building her garden, um, all the women in the Shire respond to this because they understand this. Even if they didn't understand her need for adventure or they didn't understand why she just disappeared and ran off and did all this, they definitely understand what she's doing now. They can relate to this. Mm-hmm. And um, it makes all the difference. And also they're keeping this really big, giant secret from her. <laughs> they're coddling her. They're, yeah. They're they've kind of wrapped her up in cotton and they're trying very hard to um make sure she has this this beautiful experience. And all the while there are orcs and goblins <laughs> just kind of, you know, and hobbits hauling ass north and, and hobbits hauling ass north. And since she can't actually leave her nursery, she has to stay very close to her nursery and everything's brought to her. She hasn't left her own yard since she started sewing, she has no idea what's happening in the Shire. Um, and she does leave um, on the la- on her last sewing to collect her tokens, and she runs into some elves in the woods. And so she's not really gone very far from her home, and she hasn't gone far mm-hmm. from her home since she started nur- um, nurturing her um, on her nursery. So she has no idea what what's happening in the other little villages in the Shire. She has no clue. So I'm willing to bet that all of the, the the devastation of Smaug, which is what we saw around Erebor. And when you see it, because uh, Jackson did a phenomenal job, it's horrible. Um, I don't think it's going to be a devastation for very much longer. Uh, not with, with a no, whole nation no, because I- of... of 
you really think they're going to let uh, Bella live someplace where there's more ash than growing things? Right. And that's the um, that's the thing about my hobbits and, 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 mm-hmm. and how I had them born, is that they are fae and they are of the earth. And so just their arrival, just just their arrival in the valley and and, and near the mountain is, is going to do so much to, to heal the land. That, that's one of the reasons why mm-hmm. they don't wear shoes. And it's not just because they're uncomfortable or because their feet are weird or big. Or, and it's because that connection to the earth is very important, which is why Bella spends so much time actually in her nursery. Mm-hmm. But just being in the nursery with her bare feet connects her to her children. Apparently, AM uh, is watching the behind the scenes while listening to this, and she's commenting about the various actors and the, th- the things that Jackson's done to them. Um, yeah, he's kind of a sadist, right? Yeah, you know it was bad when when Sean Aston, who's just like probably the sweetest person on earth, started keeping a tally of how often he had to wear the feet, and they didn't need them. Then right. again. Can you imagine being ticklish on the bo- the bottom of your feet and then having to slide your, your, your feet into something that, A, is sticky, and, B, they put brushes on to make sure that there's glue all the way through and over every bit of skin? I'd scream. I'd spend, you know, however long it would be screaming because that would be the worst torture ever, and they did it. Ugh. I can barely stand to wear socks, and these people had stuff glued onto their feet. Uh-huh. And um, Elijah um, Elijah Woods was very happy to find out that now they're knee-high. Apparently they go up and <laughs> over the knee. He was, although the scene with him getting stuff into them is fabulous and just the, the, the um, insanity of it. But... <laughs> oh, so, yeah. Yes. <laughs> Poor Lee Pace. Thrandrill is, he is, frankly, he is one of the prettiest men on screen in that movie. The Elf King. He is beautiful. He is fabulous. Gorgeous. You know, but that poor guy, he, I mean, Jackson did it to him too. You know, we're going (laughs) to, we're going to put you in a, in a dress that goes beyond your feet and make you walk upstairs. (laughs) You have to do it. You know, women, Women might be able to do this, but this, this is all you have to keep in mind. This is a man who's probably never worn a dress before, and he's having to learn mm-hmm. this on the spot how to do and this. And he can't, so. yes, and he can't grab it, you know, and do what women do, which is basically pull up one side and hold it to the side so that way you've got that, that room for your feet. No, he's got to go upstairs in a glide without letting his, his um, without stepping on his clothes. It didn't work too well. <laughs> Boots, if I remember correctly. Because he's not even doing that kicking thing they teach you to do when you wear a long dress like that. You know, like you yeah. have to kick your dress out in front of you. Because he's yes. not kicking it. No. He's in flats. And if you know, because... men who are listening don't understand, when you wear a dress that's that long, in order to keep from stepping on the front of it, you have to kind of kick it out when you walk. Mm-hmm. 
or so you ever not so being slightly able to take that dress out in front of him as he's walking is it's it's quite a feat that that he managed to do it and and look so elegant and, and not fall flat on his on his little love elven face but you know, there's also the grabbing of it and slightly holding it up so that way you can, you know, sail like a galleon down the hallway. He right. kind of had to, you know, he had to glide like a stream without a ripple. <laughs> it didn't go too yeah. well. Uh-huh. And, yes, he has to turn and sit, and he does it with so much flair, and he sits down and, yeah. And what was it? There was a scene where between – um him and Orlando Bloom, where they comment that Lee Pace is actually two years younger than Orlando, and he's playing his dad. <laughs> All right, and Orlando like comments that the casting director was like, "I actually had to find supermodels for all these models. <laughs> yes, <laughs> they have to be exceptionally beautiful." Mm-hmm. Long, well, or tall I don't think people. actually, even if he was a transvestite singer, he was wearing ball gowns. Maybe he was. That'd be fun. We should look that up. Ah, <laughs> uh, that would be an interesting thing. Let's see. Um, and the first time I ever no. wear one of these um these ridiculous gowns, I was um. Absolutely no teasing of this. I was a debutante. Why am I not surprised? And I had to wear. Shut up. I had to wear. <laughs> I had to wear this long, flowing white. Mom was really, and there was lace, and there mm-hmm. was hats. And there might have been a little bit of a poofy tool thing underneath it. Shut up. <laughs> Uh-huh. He had a cranial or whatever the hell those things are called. Those those big fluffy puffy thingies. No, I didn't have that. Um oh, my but gosh, my I did have um the dress weighed uh fifteen pounds. Yeah. These are all pictures of Lee. <laughs> so yeah, it, actually it was doesn't terrible. Do too bad. Um and uh, I had a choice between grabbing the front of it and lifting it up as I walked or doing that kicking thing. And we quickly mm-hmm. discovered that I can't kick and walk at the same time. <laughs> Were you starting to look like a hobbit doing the the the, 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 the kick thing? That, that, um, I almost uh, fell on my face like 25 times. It was ridiculous. And finally, <laughs> um, they... They put the t- they they pulled it up a little bit in the front, um, and I and I got to wear heels and um, I uh, let's see yeah he's wearing a long dress before, mm-hmm. not as long as the one you wore in the movie though. No, that probably wouldn't trip you up too much. <clears throat> the 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 thing for me is the way that that dress in. The Hobbit was constructed. Jade said he got sewn into it. Given how flat and fitted that thing was, it wouldn't surprise me at all. Okay, poor guy. So, um, I've worn a gown from 
uh, is, is I was not a debutante. Um, I wore a puffy, fluffy gown for prom. And what makes this yeah. really bad is I drove. I was the one who, who got to drive. So I have a puffy, fluffy gown with lots of stuff underneath to make it puffy, fluffy. And I'm in the driver's seat. So my gown came up to about a chin. <laughs> so it was a good point. And I think I was my biggest too. <laughs> my biggest issue is that um my dress between um buying my dress and the ball. Mm-hmm. It's really embarrassing. Um anyways, the whole thing of being a debutante is really embarrassing. Anyway, in which in between um being the dress and the ball, about six months. Uh-huh. Happened. And um, about a cup size happened. <laughs> so we had to have the front of my, the top of my dress refitted. Um, and uh, the end result was is that I showed entirely too much cleavage for my mother to be pleased. One of my elderly aunts, who's no longer with us, um, but at the time she was um, she was quite uh, quite the thing. She comes across. She's funny. You look lovely. And then she takes this lace, this white lace handkerchief and stuffs it down the front of my dress. Uh-huh. And now you look decent. And then she walked away. Uh-huh. And you look bad. I left it because I was kind of feeling self-conscious about my tips being out there. So. <clears throat> I'm looking at the picture that I put up in chat. These boots look to be flat. They're, they've got maybe a half-inch heel. It doesn't look like he's got actual, he doesn't have Abby boots on. Not in that particular outfit, no. That that isn't his only outfit, right? No, not hardly. The man's got more clothes than anybody. Is that a sword or a wand or what? Uh, It's a penis extension? It's a sword. (laughs) Okay. I was pretty sure the headgear was (laughs) a penis extension, but okay. Don't you actually want to see him in Loki's helmet? <laughs> Am I the only one? Actually, I can see this guy. If, if you're going to play the fun thing and have this guy, um, you know, the, the elves be the far distant relations to perhaps the Malfoys, Thranduil and and Lucius have way too much in common. True enough. True enough. Uh, let's see. There's this that picture. Those like have a little bit of a heel, actually. There's a yeah, they have a little bit of a heel. And then there's Is that the same boot he's wearing in that picture? I don't know. Um, there's a picture anyway, where he's got... Yeah, so anyway, um, dude was an elegant motherfucker. Uh-huh. He worked that. He really did. And... Um, so not only do we need to applaud his accomplishment of handling his wardrobe like a boss, um, uh-huh. we also need to, to give him props for the pure level of bitchosity he managed to do while doing it. Uh-huh. Because <laughs> not only did he look good, but he was a complete and utter bitch the whole time. Oh, my God, yes. He was Great. indeed. <laughs> oh. 
then, you know, there's this guy who, honestly. Yeah, his bitch face was definitely fierce, dark, definitely. Yeah. Then there's this guy who just needed a two-by-four introduced. Right to the back of his head. You know, they don't. Have I like to also comment on his headgear. That headgear is not light. Having had even two or three pounds of headgear on my head, shut up. Um, <laughs> that has to be at least ten pounds on his head. So not only is he trotting around in that dress, in those boots, he's got ten pounds of gear on his head. He's fierce. He's a fierce mm-hmm. motherfucker in this whole movie <laughs> from his wardrobe alone. <laughs> Kira, this is this is for you because of, of you and part of what your story wants to do. Yeah. Yeah. It really does. See, at least that headgear's um, you know, practical. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> At least his battle headgear is practical. Yes, well, if you've got to wear a crown in the battle, it might as well be a little one that matches your armor. And hey, it it keeps his hair out of his eyes. You know? Still, you know, he's he's something. Damn, he's just something. That um, his injuries didn't heal because of the darkness in his forest. That mm-hmm. his injuries are festering because of the darkness um, that around that surrounds him. So when she destroys the, the one ring, that darkness starts to flee. Mm-hmm. And I, I believe he would heal on his own. Well, there's a thing. So Given that's that where Dora his is, is sitting. Her comes from. Yep. That would explain, you know, with with Delgador and it being. Um, so close to to uh, Mirkwood, aka the Greenwood. So yeah, it's somebody... like a thing, you know. So this information that what she has done has filtered through to all these leaders, and so by the time she returns to to Erebor, um, Thorin's going to have to deal with a lot more than just the men in Lake Town or the rebuilding of Dale. Mm-hmm. He's going to have all these other kings you know, basically courting his wife. I mean, not like courting as in I want to marry you, but in like paying tribute to what she did, you know. So mm-hmm. he's having to um, deal with his wife getting a lot of attention. And, um, you know, and I think that will actually help with his people accepting her, considering she's not a dwarf, is that because she did something so heroic that, they, mm-hmm. That they really cannot ignore it, and also um, when Thorin threw her out of the mountain for what he did, he threw money with her, and she actually gave that money to Bard. She gave all that gold, which was probably a fourteenth share of the treasure. Um, she gave it um, to the people in the town, which is why Nori brings her more because mm-hmm. she left with nothing. Because she gave it all to them to try to make peace so that in in her last act, as she left, even after 
what happened between her and Soren, she still tried to make it better for them in the mountains. She paid for supplies to be delivered. She, you know, gave the town compensation for what happened, um, all of that. So here's also what Soren is dealing with. They find out that she's been banished from Erebor, and they're like, what the fuck's wrong with you, dude? She was awesome. <laughs> mm-hmm. What is your problem? <laughs> what is your major so, malfunction? Yeah, her return to the mountain will help soothe a lot of hostility Thorin's been dealing with um, with the men from the Dale and from uh, Lake Town. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, there's lots of interesting like, little little pieces that, are, that you can bring together. I'm also reading Mountain Mother. I'm I'm reading the yeah, version without the stuff in it. I'm reading the tamer version without the stuff. She has two versions. She has one that has an attempted rape in it, and she has one that doesn't have the attempted the attempted rape in it. And I'm reading mm-hmm. the version without the attempted rape. Good idea. So, um, I don't know if there's any difference between them really beyond that. Probably not too much. So I don't know. Um, I really like the I, I really like the fact that she did offer two versions, one without the non-con in it. I, I really appreciated that because I love the idea of, of that story, Mountain Mother, by it's by mm-hmm. Mountain Mother by Amdel A M A D E L Amdel. It's a really awesome movie where um, Bilbo is female and. Uh, the dwarves honor her and the sacrifices that she made during the quest and during the retaking of the mountain and during the Battle of the Five Armies by giving her a name and she becomes Mountain Mother. <coughs> and um, it's just, it's beautiful. It's really great. Mm-hmm. It's a work in progress. <coughs> you can find it on AO3. And I know mm-hmm. Amazon is not the author's name, that's what Mountain Mother means. That word and Mountain Mother mean the same thing. Uh, anyways, it's on AO3. And it's called Mountain Mother. It's Phyllis. And uh, there are two versions. Y-T-H. Right. There are two uh, versions. I, yeah, one and is non-con and one without. I don't know which one that is. Uh, let's see. So, you know, when, when it comes Mountain down Mother to alternate, it, Bilbo yeah. being female is actually a trope in the Hobbit fandom. Mm-hmm. Uh, the second one I'm putting up is the one with the... Alt- well, let me just make sure I put this note in. Um, Dark without. Oh, okay, good. Because I was copying that. I'm really enjoying the Hobbit fandom. I avoided it like a plague for like two years. Um, and then I just kind of dug deep. And I am currently on page 68 of 228 of the AO3 Thorn slash tag. Shut up. Oh, God. <laughs> By the way, just for fun, you really should click on the last link that Azure put up. Really, Azure? That's, <laughs> that dude's really talented. That's what is he like? I think my show's radar. What exactly does he have his dick in? Is that a hole? Uh, actually, 
No, actually, it looks like it's just laying somewhere. But his he's got a knot tight around his, his the base of his his dick and his balls, and then it's threaded up okay, and tied to his toes. Every time he moves, there's a thing. <clears throat> I don't know if we could stuff yeah, that into that. I don't know if that's actually sexy or not. I have to think about that. Sometimes it's sexy and sometimes it's not. Oh, I just think it's a pretty display. I don't. I'm not particularly thinking of doing anything with it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, I'm, not, I'm trying to figure out if I think it's sexy. I don't know. I mean, you know. Well, he's pretty, but yeah, whatever. Mm. <laughs> yes, Dark, it is over his <laughs> balls. <sighs> Some people get insulted when you tell them they're using a trope. Or they're using a cliche. Um, I go out of my way to use tropes and cliches. I fucking love it. Because I can't do it professionally. I have to be very careful professionally um, when I work. So in fan fiction, I just let my... Inner trope Yeah. Boom. Yeah. Yeah, it's actually making my theoretical hurt too, Azor. So I'm, I'm totally with you. One thing I do actively avoid in my sick is um, self-insert. I I know a lot of people think I do self-insert because of Rodney, but really, I don't. We just actually happen to have the same personality. In a lot of ways. Which, which could be why he's my favorite character. Because we're ten kinds of the same asshole right there. Uh-huh. There are um, basically, uh, when it comes to romance fiction, there are like seven plots. Um, Snow White, Cinderella, Pick and Beauty. <laughs> and mostly, mostly, most romances today are Cinderella. They are. I mean, if you think about yeah. it, most romances are Cinderella. There's um, Pretty Woman is Cinderella. Mm-hmm. Secretary Boss, yeah. That's Cinderella, too, really. It's... Um, Working class girl and a wealthy man. Yeah. Uh, yep. So yeah, there's there there are like some author said once there are ten stories to tell, a million ways to tell them. Mhm. And I forget who said that, but it's true. Um, there are only so many stories to be told in our human experience, and it's not so much the story you tell, but how you tell it. Because really, if you think about it. Potter is Luke Skywalker. Yeah, you have a point. And Aragon in the Aragon Dragon movie is Luke Skywalker. And uh huh. I'm gonna see. Frodo. <laughs> oh God! Oh God! Okay, so Frodo was raised by his uncle. In obscurity, mm-hmm. and he goes on a great quest to restore balance. Uh-huh. Earth. So Frodo, uh-huh. is Luke Skywalker, Luke Skywalker, <laughs> and yeah, Echo says the man Arthur Moondragon. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Aragorn. So we're, huh? 
Aragorn is Aragorn is raised by his many, 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 many times great uncle, because if I remember correctly, Elrond is was a relation to the elf maiden who started the line of the Dudendine. So yes, there's that one too. Bilbo, so is, Bilbo is Rapunzel. Yeah. So yeah, there's there are only yeah there are ten stories and a million ways to tell them. So it's important to tell your story the way you want to tell it, um, and not be uh, worried or bogged down about how somebody else did it and can I do this or should I stick with this? Just take your thing and do your thing the way you want to do it because that's the only way you can actually you know really enjoy yourself as a writer. There's actually a lot of incest in Lord of the Rings now that I'm looking at you guys talking about these lineages. Uh As Harry says in part two of my War Mages trilogy, you people need to get out more and fuck more interesting people. (laughs) Yep. Or fuck new and interesting people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know. <laughs> right, Tom, um, Riddle, and Harry do share ancestry. Mhm. Yeah. Oh my God, I I have a confession. You know, what? you know that I do not read incestic, right? I know. Everybody knows this. I don't read yeah. it. I'm going through oh, yeah. the Lord of the Rings, the, the, the Hobbit fanfic, and mm-hmm. I've been avoiding the Keely Feely. I have. I've been avoiding it like the plague. But I saw this thing, and I didn't see the tag. I, I skipped over a, a very important tag. I skipped <laughs> over it. And I started reading Epic. The story's called Epic, and um, it's Keely Feely. And I'm like, but... By the time I realized it, I was, like, already really invested in the premise. And fortunately, there's no sex or kissing or anything. So it's, like, background, and I don't have to really think about what's happening there. Um, but what I, what I, what I do appreciate about this, this particular story and, and how they're treating that is that nobody has a problem with it. It's perfectly normal. And um, mm-hmm. Thorin turns to Keeley at, at, at one point early on in the in the thick and tells him, if you want this relationship to be legitimate, you're going to have to take your father's name. You're going to have to stop being, you're going to have to have your father's family claim you. Because right now, mm-hmm. it's in, I guess they're, they're both of the line of Durin. And so in, in order for them to marry at one point, Keely has to take um, his father's family name while Feely t- um, has Thorin's Durin. He has to give mm-hmm. up his place in the throne, basically, yes. He has to give up his lineage um, as an heir of Durin in order to be with Feely um, as a lover. And it's because they're each other's ones. They're soulmates. Mm-hmm. And so there's actually no, um, there's no kissing. There's some reference to sex, but there's no sex shown. And I, I've I've read everything that um, the, um, the author has posted for Epic so far, and um, so, yeah, 
that's my confession for the evening. I I did read Epic, and it's actually very good. I'm I'm really enjoying the fic. I, I I subscribe to it. As long as I don't have to see Keely Feely having sex, I I think I can manage it. So they're not the central pairing. They're just um, off to the side. It's studied matter of a fact, and then you move on. And so I can, I guess I can deal with that. But I blame the actors for having that apparently amazing chemistry. Mm-hmm. The two actors they're, um, that are playing the brothers, they, they have really amazing chemistry on screen. So it Jay said, I think technically Mahal made seven dwarves and kingdoms, so they're all related distantly anyway. <laughs> yep. Actually, From, you know, I think you could almost say that Kiwi Feely is background in canon. <laughs> okay. Uh-huh. <laughs> the, the... <clears throat> yeah. Mm-hmm. I did. I'm, I'm I'm reading Epic, and I even left kudos for the author because I am enjoying it. And um, uh, it, I don't think it's going to go the way Mel Preg went for me because um, there was a time when Mel Preg was like the last thing I ever wanted to read. Are you there? Lady I'm Holder. here. I'm here. Did we lose Lady Holder, or am I gone? Can you guys hear me? But you're not on the phone. I am too. I'm on the phone. I don't know where you are. I don't are. hear Lady Holder at all. <laughs> hmm. Okay, maybe you need to call him again. Uh, hmm. we got eight minutes. I'll call in again. Well, now if you guys can hear me, it's not my phone. I I think it's blog talk. And I don't know if she's actually talking or if we're talking over each other. Um, uh. <clears throat> um, that's so weird. I mean, my dashboard's all fucked up. So it's definitely um, uh, blog talk radio being being its lovely self. Anyways, <clears throat> there's nothing on the dashboard for you. <laughs> We're down to six minutes, and um, the dashboard still has Lady Holder's number up. Um And I don't know what to do about it. So, uh, anyways, <clears throat> tropes are fun, and um, I think I encourage you to play with them because <clears throat> the more you learn about uh, how things work, the better it will be. Oh, are you back? I'm back. There we go. I think that as a writer, that you, um, if you explore your craft and you explore these tropes, and um, and uh, just really invest yourself in, in figuring out how things work for you, that you'll have a lot of fun as a writer. And and that's the best thing mm-hmm. you can do for yourself as a writer is to enjoy 
your craft and enjoy doing what you do. Otherwise, um, what's the point? You're just, you know, right, what's the point? So just have fun with it um, and don't mm-hmm. let anybody make you feel like you can't. And it's like, folks, There's, say you encounter someone who did something really awesome with a trope. You think, oh, God, I can't mm-hmm. do anything better than that. Well, don't, don't think. It doesn't matter if it's better or worse or, or whatever. It's yours. And that's the most important part. Mm-hmm. So that's what I would say about that. <laughs> There's way too many things with um, there's way too many things out there that you can take and just tweak slightly and you've got a brand new world and it's it's just too much fun not to and so that's the thing right. that that gets me with it with with writing because um, you want to you want to enjoy it. You want to, to see what's new. You want to um, explore the universe because, you know, it's it's a – the universe is in your head. You're the one who is, is making the whole um, – the whole world, and that is – that's the best thing ever, okay? Um think anything isn't uh isn't possible okay because it's all it's all possible i mean you're the one if your imagination can see it work it until you can write it okay so that's all i have to say on it dark says i think jane Doff should have had an eagle tape bell to drop the ring off. I didn't do that, but I am reading a fix where Bilbo discovers on his own that he has the one ring. So mm-hmm. he takes the one ring, um, he writes the eagles himself, and he gets an eagle, and him and that eagle take their asses to Mordor, like total badasses, and get rid of the ring. And then he comes back, the eagle doesn't, it's so sad. Uh, he comes back, and... Um, they're all trying to figure out what the hell happened in Mordor, and he's like, I can tell you what happened in Mordor, and they're like, really? Mm-hmm. <laughs> what happened in Mordor? <laughs> and it's really good. It's um, it, 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 it's also terribly sad, because um, orcs attack the Shire, and only Bilbo, mm-hmm. Sam, and Frodo make it out. It's very sad, and... Um, it gets back to Thorin that the Shire was destroyed and, and he thinks Bilbo is dead. Go over badly. Um, the reasons I've heard is that they basically tell people that they are not the Middle Middle Earth's version of a taxi. Thank you very fucking much. And so but, that's why they... Um, it's, yeah. it's actually really beautiful what happens between Bilbo and the, and the Eagle in the story. And I can't remember, actually, what it's called. Um, somebody else is reading it. A.M., do you remember what it's called? Um, we're down to 90 seconds. I don't know if he had Marianne Pippin as well. I don't remember. I thought he hmm. just had Frodo and Sam. 
if I can find it again, I will put it up on my Facebook, or if somebody remembers it, um, we'll mm-hmm. we'll pass it around. Make sure you guys get it. Uh, anyways, <laughs> um, we're down to a minute. Everybody mm-hmm. have a good safe weekend, and um, we are all thick enablers, and there is nothing wrong with that. There is nothing wrong with being a thick enabler. Not a drop. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, you guys have a great mm-hmm. weekend. Say good night, Lady Holder. Good night, Lady Holder. <laughs> Shut up and sit down. Starlight Lounge presents An Evening with the Progressive Box. Yeah. That's Hugo, tickling the ivories. He just saved by bundling home and auto with Progressive. Gonna finally buy a ring for that gal of yours, Hugo? Send her my condolences. Hi-oh! This next one's for you, too. There's a burglar in my heart. Thank you. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Discounts not available in all states or situations.